All right, guys. So this episode is a little different. I just kind of wanted to recap my weekend and what I've been up to. And it just isn't possible to do that um, authentically and for me to just share everything that I need to share um, about my experience. So this past weekend was amazing. Just want to give you guys a little insight on my life and what I do. Um, So for those of you that don't know, I'm a social worker. Um, I have my master's in social work, and I'm currently earning my PhD in social work um, here in Miami, Florida. And my area of focus, my research interest, um, is focusing on Black female collegiate athletes, um, their experience with transitioning out of sports, looking at the physical aspect of it, the mental aspect of it, the emotional aspect of it, um, the identity, the journey of um, losing that athletic identity, understanding what athletic identity is and what that phenomenon is. What is that experience that makes it different for a Black female collegiate athlete? Um, not so much a comparison, but just bringing light and awareness to that to that population. Um, I myself am a former student athlete. I played volleyball um, at Bethune-Cookman University. Um, my junior and senior year, I was recruited from a junior college in Kansas, um, where I played volleyball there for two years and also played tennis um, as well. And I just found that my experience was incredible while there because my primary focus was staying in school and getting a degree. But the journey of being an athlete is one that's very unique. It can be very isolating um, because you typically you're with your teammates year round. And for some, you're able to, you know, develop friendships outside of your team. But for many of us, um, you're, you don't have time for that. You know, um, you, you just you just don't have time Whether it's training, practicing homework. Um, if you're not doing what you need to do, then you have study hall. It's just a lot. So. I was fortunate enough to go to um, a school in Kansas, um, which was my first experience with some serious racial racial things um, and my identity as being a black female um, and then throwing and then that throwing that athletic world into another level of being college and that transitioning to sports um, and then going to an HBCU, um, seeing what that looks like. And so I just know that what I went through um, especially on my way out of sports. And um, it, it's nothing in regards necessarily to my school because I love my school, but it's something that, you know, it's an area that nationally um, athletes just need more support. And I feel that um, Black female athletes need that support a little more than others because the opportunities, when you look at the hierarchy, there's a study um, that identifies, I don't recall the author just yet, the author just yet, or right now at this moment, I should say, um, but it discusses like the hierarchy of axes and basically explains how structures are in society so that you have, um, you know, white men, white women, black men, black women, um, and what that looks like. And even on the, in the athletic world where athletes are kind of defined as part of this elite community, the barriers are still there. The systematic oppression, the structures are very much present. And if you're not aware of that, 
prior to your career ending in sports, it can be a very overwhelming process. And that's what it was for me. My senior year, leaving, um, concluding my sports career, a very close friend of mine, she was also a coach that helped me um, majorly in getting recruited to Bethune-Cookman, um, lost her battle to cancer. So and she was the first person in my life um, that I lost as an adult. So you can imagine what that experience was. Um, and also a sport that I played since seventh grade was no longer a part of my life. So I had two major blows um, in the same month to the point where we made it to um, like the MEAC conference. And I flew with my team to Virginia, got off the plane with them, went to um, Kansas for the funeral, got back on the plane the next morning to come back to a game that I didn't even get to play in. So the last game of my career, I didn't play. And the reason I didn't play is my coach informed me that I was, she was concerned that I wasn't mentally um, prepared to play in a game. So you can only imagine what that experience was and it did for me and how I got through that was not easy at all. And I'm thankful for um, my roommate and still my best friend and sister at the time that really helped me get through that. However, the services that I feel should be in place for athletes um, is not always there. And from talking to peers um, and even through research at this point, that is just not widely available. And there are a lot of reasons that they're not. Um, there's a lot of reasons that people don't seek services, especially minorities, or ask for help um, in different areas. So it's important for me to bring some light on what it's like to lose an athletic identity, but what it's like to also have to deal with the intersection. And that's intersectionality is actually a term that's created by Kimberly Crenshaw. And she talks about, you know, those identities that collide um, and cause a little bit of chaos in our lives. And it's, it's systematic oppression. It's the systematic structures that say that being this makes life complicated. So being Black, yeah, makes it complicated. And you're a woman, uh, makes it complicated. And you're educated, uh, makes it complicated. Um, and you just keep adding all this stuff and it makes it very difficult. And I've now read enough at this point, I still have a lot to learn that um, this is something that needs the attention. So with all that said, that's my area of focus. And so what I was blessed to attend was the first athlete development symposium um, in Orlando, Florida at University, at University of Central Florida, my alma mater, where I got my master's. Um, and I was in the presence of some of the most amazing women that work on both the collegiate level, um, like top, top schools, <laughs> as well as the professional level. Um, it was uh, facilitated and organized by Dr. Hilliard, who was absolutely amazing. This woman is incredible. Um, a true, true role model and example for any female that wants to enter the athletic world. Um, and what I gathered from this conference was really the reminder of hard work, the reminder of doing your research and educating yourself in the process. There was so much I learned about terminology um, in the athletic world that I haven't even seen in research. So it lets me know how far um, this field needs to go 
and how much I feel that I can contribute to that. Um, with that, I met some amazing women and amazing women of color on top of that. It was a diverse group, which was amazing to see. But for me, and and obviously my research interests and just what this is, to meet women of color who have experienced the same um, traumatic experiences that I've gone through, through microaggressions that we've all experienced, to let us know that, hey, our experience as human is not isolated. And if we work together, we can make a huge difference because so much for my generation was not shared. We talked about things like, you know, for me, it was just about going to college. It wasn't necessarily about going to college to be a doctor, a lawyer or anything. Like that. It was just go to college. And as an athlete, a lot of times you're not necessarily on a path to get a certain degree. You're on a path to remain eligible. You're on a path to graduate on time because there's so many things behind the scenes that happen if an athlete um, does not graduate issues. And it's not so much, obviously it impacts the player, but systematically um, rules, regulations and all of that, it can, it's not a good thing for the, for an institution to experience. But it just was a moment this weekend where I felt seen. I felt validated. I felt comfortable enough to where I could be myself I can say my experience and someone can say, yes, I get it. I understand someone not challenging my perspective or saying, well, maybe, no, it was like, yes, I get it. I've experienced that. Well, maybe I haven't experienced that, but this is what I went through and this is how I got through it. And this is what I do. And it was just, it was such a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, obviously we exchanged business cards and we laughed and we mixed and mingled with other people. And I've met people from, LA. I met people from here in Florida, um, Arizona, literally all over the U.S. It was absolutely incredible speaking to um, women from athletic departments, um, from like the University of Washington, from Boston, um, from University of Alabama. It was like some big, major, you know, people. Um, individuals that work for the WNBA, the NBA, like it was, it was incredible. Um, and so I was able to take that and learn and connect. And I'm very excited for things that are to come. Um, and everything that I'm doing, I guess one thing I want to say to anyone that's listening is that once you find your passion and your purpose, make it a point to streamline and to connect and be fully attentive to everything that you put your energy into. Because one thing I've learned along this journey is that it was impossible for me to focus on 10 different things that really didn't connect to each other. Maybe there's a small overlap, but I was constantly having to take off a hat, put on a hat, take off a hat, put on a hat. And that's not a bad thing. However, when you're a doctoral student and you're really setting the groundwork for your career and what you want to do, I had to make a conscious decision on what to change um, and kind of put on, not put it away, but just put it to the side for a second. So I am fully on a path to um, broader, to broaden my knowledge on um, athletic, the athletic world um, more than just being a former athlete, because it's actually a very small picture of the experience and putting my biases aside so that I can really absorb and understand the research um, has been incredible. I am a part of an organization 
called Alliance Social Worker and Sports that are really focused on connecting social workers and athletics and showing how our skill set can be such a significant um, contribution to the world as far as looking at the athlete as more than just a person that can um, demonstrate some amazing athletic ability, but they are actually a person who has some emotional and mental um, struggles potentially that they just need some support. They need some help. They need a guidance, extra pair of ears that isn't concerned about their free throw or their um, batting percentage or anything like that. We just want to know how you're doing and how we can help you through that process. Um, and there's some things that social workers are just naturally um, and, tr- and trained, I should say, to to execute. So I'm very excited to do that. Um, I'm also in the process of creating um, my own curriculum that talks about the transitioning and that they are actually um, visual. So there are videos that I'm creating to discuss some of this. And I can't give all of that away yet because that is going to be in a specific platform that I cannot wait to share with you guys. Um, You'll see how that's coming together. I've met an amazing videographer um, in the Orlando area who has really helped me capture that concept and it's been super exciting. We've shot two videos so far and there will be a lot more to come. Um, I have, I'm have i a co-author, the second author for a publication. It was submitted. I'm putting it out there because I believe in claiming success. We are waiting to hear a response, but it was definitely um, put out and it's been submitted to editors for review. So you guys pray for us to make that happen. Um, so I'm telling you, I'm going full throttle into this world, full throttle. I have big dreams on what I could do to contribute to the world of athletics for females in particular, um, but I, honestly, all athletes. And so this weekend was just actually incredible. Um, on top of that, before I went to the conference in Orlando, I actually flew home to visit my family um, in Kentucky. And we had a a little get together for a special occasion with my family, but we also went to see Medea's farewell play. It was absolutely amazing. Laughed so hard. Um, If you're on social media, you know who Blame It On Quay is, who plays TT. He did an amazing job. I was actually very surprised because I feel that when people do really well on social media, it doesn't always translate to the stage. But he is actually the first person I've ever seen from social media. So I guess that's just more of what you kind of hear and see. But he did an amazing job. Medea was honestly hilarious as always. The, all of the actors could sing their butts off. Um, Tamla Mann, I won't give it away, but she killed it. Um, Mr. Brown kills it. Like it was me, my mother, and my grandmother. And we had so much fun. So we, so I went home for that first and then flew. So I went home on Friday, left home on Monday morning. Um, and it was just a weekend of events. Boom, 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 boom. Like literally legit nonstop. Like it was crazy. Um, got on the plane Monday morning at the crack of dawn, flew into Orlando, checked into my hotel, got dressed, went straight to the event and didn't get back until about, um, I keep saying hotel, but I was, I stayed with a good friend. Thank goodness. Save that budget. Um, but I was able to, I got back around nine and then I had to get up at the crack of dawn again to fly from Orlando back here to Miami, um, to get to my office in Jupiter. 
to um, work on some trainings that I do. Um, and what's incredible, I guess one other thing I'll, I'll say in closing is that whatever your current journey is, there may be some things that you're sick of that you can't stand. Like, why am I doing this? And let's say you're searching for jobs over and over and over and over. You can't find anything. There's a reason for that. Um, prior to pursuing my doctorate, I worked as a director of admissions for a company for quite some time. And they had me relocate to three hospitals within Florida, um, each hospital for different reasons as far as opening programs. So I work with mental health, substance abuse, adolescents with mental health and substance abuse and residential care, foster care. Um, again, adults going through addiction, detox, rehab, outpatient, everything you can think of. Um, I managed that. And what my staff did, they were basically the emergency room, but of mental health and substance abuse. So I was on call 24 seven. Um, the only time I didn't have to answer my phone is if I was out of the country, which was here and there. Um, but I tried so hard to get out of that job for so many years. Um, and every time I thought I was on my way out, an opportunity came up and I was relocated to another setting. Um, and what I need you to know is that the reason I couldn't get out of that job is because God did not need, want me to get out of that job. Everything I, I learned on that job is has um, given me a skill set to apply in every step of my life. I do think growing up in the military, I naturally have an ability, as far as being a military child, the ability to adapt um, and recognize my environment and understand um, what I can utilize and, and who I can talk to and how to maneuver um, appropriately to, to benefit, you know, my growth and my process. And I also think that also being an athlete, you learn to not always um, react or, you know, you, you look at that react versus respond method um, or you just try to be very strategic on your movements. Like sometimes you do just have to respond, um, but sometimes you actually have a chance to think it through and have a plan so that you can, you know, try to come out successful. So I've went through, you know, numerous jobs and one day I'll go and give my entire journey on like my mental health and as far as stress and um, my health failing and, and me experiencing compassion fatigue and all of that kind of stuff to say that everything I went through, I'm here where I am supposed to be now. And being in a doctoral program, there's just no way that I could work in an environment that's 24 seven um, and dealing with trauma and addiction and patients fighting and documentations and policies and regulations and, um, and, and TALA violations, just all the stuff that comes with healthcare. And I was so fortunate, I'm so fortunate now to um, be a part of a, a company that's allowed me to come in and create curriculum for them to facilitate to their security officers in hospitals. And it was so amazing today. So when I got off the plane, I had to rush to their office because I had a very big conference call um, to talk about the program that I created, a 52-week program of curriculum that discusses, you know, key elements and continuing education for these healthcare officers. Because I feel like ongoing training is necessary in all environments and especially healthcare for individuals that don't really have experience in hospital settings as a professional. Um, and so I've created that program and someone wanted, uh, you know, access to a file. And I don't know everyone within this organization because I'm just specifically here for this training purpose. And um, 
granted them the access and all is well. And I'm, you know, working on some exams and editing and all of that stuff. And I get an email that says, hey, just want to let you know that your material was great and we will be taking this to so-and-so in Atlanta and blah, 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 blah. And I was floored. And I just had a brief moment to say, oh my God, the only reason I'm able to do this and to create PowerPoints literally in my sleep um, and to gather the data and to make it presentable enough to where a high schooler could understand it because this information can be so complex that I often forget like how significant it is that I'm doing what I'm doing while I'm doing it. And I got, and to get the feedback and the positivity was just, I felt a reminder from God to say, see, if you trust me, I'll get you through it. The process was needed. Your journey was required in order for you to get where you are today to where I'm not in a stressful environment. I can work remotely. Um, and it's a perfect balance for school. And in this moment, it's allowing me to prepare for my career. So while I'm building and developing the curriculum, I'm learning all of this with, with um, different databases and portals and things that I already had a little bit experience with, but it's to an entirely different level. So I just want to challenge you and encourage you to take advantage of what you are currently doing and what skill sets that are possibly um, applicable to other areas in your life to come. Um, you just don't realize what you're learning and make sure you give yourself credit for everything that you do. One thing I didn't do, I, I think I downplayed for a long time, all that I um, was capable of, everything that I performed, all the successes that I had and the transformations within departments, um, statistically and, you know, decreasing, um, you know, lowering retention rates. And, and it was just, it was, it was amazing. I didn't give myself that credit. And now I realize how much I did in the very early part of my um, career. So I'm thankful to be where I am. I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be because it's coming at a pace that is just like, it just comes out of nowhere. So embrace your journey, um, know that it's for a reason and just, just stay committed, stay dedicated and stay committed to the process because when you get to where you're going, are you finally on that path to where you're feeling like, okay, this is feeling like I'm supposed to be doing it. It all pays off. All right. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this little brief moment. If you have questions, you want to know anything more, if there's potential collaborations, you want to know what's going on, um, please hit me up. Let me know. There is a conference I'll be presenting at in June. I should have more information to promote that um, in the next few weeks. And hopefully I can give you the information as far as the audio, or I'm sorry, the visual content that I'm creating on where that would be available as well. So thank you as always for supporting and tuning in. Um, if you have, again, you can email me at iheartfpp at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at yup, she said it, Y-U-P, she said it. Also at iheartfpp on Instagram. Um, that's it. And support. Please support the podcast. You can click on the description, the link in the description to sponsor. If you have a product, a business or an event or anything that you feel that you need to expand or to gain more exposure, this is the place to do it. If you do makeup, if you do hair, you have services. Again, anything you're looking to promote, 
hit me up. My rates are affordable. They're anywhere from $5 to $10. You really can't go wrong because best believe that when I'm talking to Michelle Obama and when I'm talking to Oprah and when I'm on The View and when I'm on The Real, honey, these rates will go up. Okay. I'm just letting y'all know now, (laughs) but thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate it. And you enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your weekend. Make it worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. Be blessed, y'all.